With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. Joined by my co-host as always, Derek. Derek, we had a pretty good week of college football this week, I'd say. We had some big games, had some great performances by some Debbie-related prospects. We'll go ahead and kick it off with our favorite teams. I'll let you take it away with the Youngstown State and Ohio State game. What are your thoughts on the ball you saw today? Well, the Ohio State game, obviously, I'm an OSU fan. I uh, was more impressed with the way the Buckeyes played the game. Kyle McCord looked like he took some positive steps forward. Henderson looked like the old Henderson we knew his freshman year. Uh, Kyle McCord had 258 passing yards and three touchdowns, and he was 14 of 20. Travion Henderson, although he wasn't the leading carrier, because Mayan Williams, uh, Chip Trainum, and Devin Brown all had six carries, Travion only had five. Travion did have two rushing scores on 56 yards, so a little over 11 yards per carry. Uh, but I feel like the the big stat of the day was Marvin Harrison. He had seven receptions for 160 yards and two receiving touchdowns. And Emeka Buka also got involved in the offense. He had five catches for 94 yards and a touchdown, the big one being the little screen pop play that went for, I don't know, 30, 40 yards. But it's I'm happy. It was a good game for the Buckeyes offensively. What did you think about Devin Brown that you got to see from him compared to the way Kyle McCord has played thus far in the season? I know it's a very small sample size for Mr. Brown. What did you think of his performance today, actually being able to throw the ball and not just get in there for a run play? Yeah, last week against Indiana, he didn't get a chance to throw the ball until garbage time. So it was nice to actually see him you know, get 13 pass attempts. Granted, he only completed seven of them for 101 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. That's that's always a good thing, but like I, I said earlier, he was uh, the leading or tied for the leading carries with six, had nine rushing yards. Um, I feel like Devin Brown did okay. He missed a couple easy throws over the middle with Buka. I feel like he, he missed them twice on like little slants and in routes. Um, but he progression wise, progressing pretty good, I would say. I, I would think that Kyle McCord is definitely the QB1 going forward and is getting a lot more of the QB1 reps compared to Devin Brown. That's good to hear that Devin Brown didn't look incompetent when he was out there playing. I'm looking at now, Kyle McCord had an average of 18.4 per completion. Devin Brown had 14.4. So he is somewhat pushing the ball downfield, not just Deacon Dunks, intermediate type of things. So that's good to see. And completely agree with Travion. He did look the best he's looked in quite some time, I'd say. Unfortunately, only five carries. You guys only put up 35 points, man. Put up 23 last week against Indiana. What What's going on with the offense? I mean, the stats look good. 258 for McCord, 160 for Marvin, 94 for Ibuka. I feel like you guys should be putting up more points than what you're doing now. Well, you would think that with Marvin Harrison getting 160 yards, that he would have scored like three or four touchdowns. Ibuka should have had two probably. Uh, we are leaving some points out there. I don't. I don't think we turned the ball over at all today. Um, I'm sorry. Look, looking now. Now looks like looks like no fumbles. Obviously, no interceptions. But it, I'm with you. I think we should have scored about 50, 49 over Youngstown State. 
I, I don't really know. This this offense doesn't seem quite as cohesive as it has the last couple of years with C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields. And just even box score watching, not even looking, watching games, you can just tell this Buckeye team's different in not such a good way. Not what we're used to seeing out of Ohio State. I mean, 35 points against Youngstown State is not very good in my opinion, considering what we're used to. You know, OSU putting up 50 dropping 60 every now and again on these non-conference games. As a Michigan fan, it's still disappointing to see. And I, What is up with Ryan Day and the damn running back rotation? What's up with that? Why is he not using Travion Moore and Chip Terranium? Came out of nowhere, converted back to running back. Now he's all of a sudden seems like he's the coach's favorite in the backfield to get the most work to be out there in the crucial situations, if you would. I just want to see more Travion, man. I want to see him spin like he did his freshman year, get out in the open field, get some screens. He's just not being used like what he was in his freshman year. It's really irked my nerves. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like Henderson should be your middle 80 guy, your 20 to 20 guy. Uh, and then Mayan Williams, your red zone running back, your brute, you know, if you're rushing it in with goal-to-go situations. Um, I, I don't I don't know why we're doing this total committee type deal. Um, maybe they're worried about health. I have no idea, but we haven't seen much of Dallin Hayden yet either, who I thought was probably the at least the RB3, if not possibly contending for the RB2. So I I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't like it. I feel I feel like you should pick one guy and stick with, with one guy. That way you know who's the guy, you know. Exactly. Travion, Travion's the guy. Kyle McCord is the guy. Pick one, stick with it, go for it. Yeah, the great running back conundrum in Columbus of 2023 is what we'll call that one. But all in all, they blew him out. Defense played great. Only let up seven points. Move on to my Michigan Wolverines. Same exact score, 35-7. I'd say for Michigan, putting up the same amount of points as Ohio State is usually a, a banner day, but not when it's only five scores. Right. But J.J. McCarthy saw some great buzz on him on the good old Twitter, also known as X nowadays. He went 22 of 25, 278 and two tutties. So once again, a super efficient week for him from an accuracy standpoint. We saw some excellent NFL-level throws. You and I talked about it earlier while we were watching the game. Threw it in between three defenders and cover two. Absolutely ripped it in there. The one defender thought he was going to have a pick, and you could see he did that all man and clapping his hands like, I should have had it. I thought I had it. It just zipped right past his hands. Couldn't close him fast enough. Uh, Blake Quorum had the hat trick at three touchdowns, 80 yards on the ground. He looks good. He looks fully healthy, most importantly. Donovan Edwards, as we touched on last week, only six carries, so not too involved in the run game, equally involved in the receiving game receiving game as we would expect with his pass catching abilities. Then the new Michigan stud wide receiver, little old Roman Wilson with two more touchdowns and 89 yards. Each week I'm getting more and more excited about Roman Wilson. He's really emerging and improving week to week. Looking like a capable, capable number one receiver in the offense. Finally, maybe someone that can be leaned on. Yeah, you pretty much touched every every nailhead that I was going to touch on. That J.J. throw was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, NFL caliber throw, just complete and total gunslinger. That cornerback thought he had a chance and he did not. It was just all gas, man, rifled right in there. Uh, said it last week, say it again, and probably the rest of the season. The Blake Corum show, I think he had less than 100 yards. He had 15, yard, or 15 carries, 80 yards for three touchdowns. It's okay, he didn't get over 100, but the three touchdowns, he's just picking up again right where he left off last week and last season. Roman Wilson, to me, is a complete and total surprise. We've known that he's been a speed guy, you know, pretty quick and and stuff like that, but he's seems like he's carving himself a nice little Roby in that wide receiver one for, for J.J. McCarthy. He's had multiple touchdown games the last two games. So Roman Wilson, I would be, as if I was a Michigan fan, would be extremely excited to see how he continues to play going forward. Uh the big tight end didn't look like he got any play today, did he? Just two uh, for six. He also had an end around, a la Brock Bauer style. So we're 
opening up the playbook a little bit more with him. But, yeah, he wasn't as involved last week. I took a prop that he would have over three and a half catches. I think over like 32 and a half receiving yards. He hit neither of those, obviously. I thought he'd be equally as evolved and have a good game and fell flat on my face on that one, but that's okay. It happens. We'll move on to another Big Ten team. The Nittany Lions out of Happy Valley in Penn State dropped 63 on Delaware. Uh, Katron Allen outshined Nick Singleton in a couple areas. He had seven more carries and doubled him up in yardage. He ended up with 103 in a touchdown. Nick Singleton had 47 and three. So again, another Big Ten running back going for the hat trick. So great for Nick Singleton. But Katron Allen got more work. I'm really going to attribute that to quote unquote him being the backup running back. So he was naturally to get more carries down the stretch of a blowout game. Then Drew Holler. Another super efficient, accurate game for him as well. 22 of 26 for 204 and a touchdown. And then he added 5 for 27 and a touchdown on the ground. So we saw his mobility and what he can give you on the rushing game. I don't know about you right now, pal, but I think Drew Roller is far and away the 2025-101 for rookie drafts. As well as I think the NFL draft, he could very well be the number one pick. He's easily the best quarterback in that class it's not even a question you're not in the same ballpark you're not in the same country as him when we're talking what Klubnik Wegman uh John a blank but that's about it for that class right now the big name guys as of right now yeah I, th- I think you're you hit the nail on the head there with with Drew Aller we kind of you know made it known that we were big Drew Aller guys and that was he was we were on the hill for him uh, you know, last season. So to see him pan out and look phenomenal like he has so far through the first couple games of the season is is nice. Um, but, yeah, I think that he's clear-cut the 2025 you know, 101 for dynasty purposes and probably a good shot at being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, I think Drew Aller is absolutely special. He's a, a dual-threat quarterback when he needs to be, but he's got the arm talent of you know, one of the best arms in the country, in my opinion. And he's he's a large man. He's 6'5", 240 plus. So he has more than NFL size, that's for sure. It's going to be a pleasure watching him improve week to week. And I can't wait to see the night game between Michigan. And then I believe they're coming to Columbus this year. Should be Halloween weekend, I believe. So those will be two really big tests for him to see how good he truly is. Yeah, to see him play against true tough competition, especially Big Ten competition and defense, uh, it'll it'll be nice to see because he's only played, what, Delaware and West Virginia so far this year. So uh, he hasn't played the stiffest of competition yet. And he's – I know he's a, a sophomore, but he's first season starting. This is only game two. You know, he's still going to have some growing pains. He's going to make mistakes. It's, it's going to happen sooner or later. Absolutely. Speaking of growing pains – Went over to Colorado and Nebraska. Ooh. First half was just, well, it wasn't pretty from an offensive standpoint for Colorado or Nebraska. Nebraska was absolutely horrendous on offense. Jeff Sims just can't hold on to a football to save his life some games. He's oaked almost 40 turnovers in his college career, by far the most of any current active player. That's not a good thing for a quarterback, let alone a running quarterback. Well, that's all for Nebraska. Now to the superstars, the Heisman Trophy candidates, as some might say, including myself. We'll start with the receiver. Travis Hunter had seven targets, caught three of them for 73. Hit a real nice play, caught the ball, defender was right on his back, flipped around, made a miss, got some yak yards. So that was nice to see some moves in the open field, not just catching the ball, being tackled. And the leading receiver on the day, Xavier Weaver, had 170 and a touchdown on 10 catches. So, big day for him. And let's see, Jimmy Horn Jr., he had eight catches but only 64 yards. He had a couple screen plays, swing passes out there. So, not much for him compared to last week. And then our our guy, Dylan Edwards, 55 on the ground. And then another eight through the air. 
but he was targeted six times. So he's still being heavily targeted coming out of the backfield. Uh, for him, a decent game, but in my the one play that sticks out in my mind from today that I watched was good old number five, big burly, big ten classic linebacker from Nebraska. Shot the gap. Dylan Edwards was back there in pass pro for the assignment, and he just he ran right through him. It was not pretty for Dylan Edwards. It was like swatting a fly away and didn't even slow down, slow him down whatsoever, impede his progress, nothing. Went through him and got Shadur Sanders with ease, which is most people's knock on Dylan Edwards is he's so small, and this is why he can't pass protect on a team that desperately needs extra protection because this offensive line just is not it. Not right now, at least. Yeah, that's, to me, the biggest knock on Dylan Edwards. You pretty much hit it on the head. He's 5'9", buck 70, soaking wet. Uh, great pass guessing back. <clears throat> Can run the ball pretty well between the tackles and outside the tackles, but it when it comes to pass pro, he yeah, you have to do what Wilkerson or Hankerson, somebody else, but he, he's not it for pass pro. I'm hoping Alden McCaskill comes back sooner rather than later. He'll I'm be surprised we haven't seen backs. him. I'm surprised we haven't seen him yet. I know he was injured. I mean, he's coming back from a torn ACL. But as far as I know, he was practicing with the team in fall practice. He was listed as the starter if he played in week one. So naturally, I expected him back here in week two. But we didn't see him. Hopefully, he has his even speedier recovery and gets back soon. They play Colorado State next week, and then the two big tests at Oregon and the Otson Zoo, and then at home versus USC. So hopefully he is back for those games to give them a little bit better run offense, a little bit more of a legitimate threat running the ball. Then on to the star, the stud, the man, Shadur Sanders. Man, the myth, the legend. That's what we'll be saying here in about a year when he's drafted top five in the NFL. That's right. He had another great game. Not as great as TCU, of course, but not not much of it was his fault, I'd say. He had another 393 through the air, two touchdowns. He had one on the ground, sacked seven times. Not much you can do when you're laying on your back because you don't have time to throw and your offensive line isn't protecting you long enough. He had negative 30 rushing yards. Keep in mind, in college, they do subtract the sack yards from your rush yards and negative 30, but he had a long of 14. So that just shows how, how many times how the sacks sack. affected it. Yeah. That 14 yard run, I believe was when he did the Dion after the, for the celebration, yeah, yeah, the touchdown. Uh, which, you know, was, was cool to watch, pay a little bit of homage to his dad, the coach old prime, uh, but Shader, that kid is special. He going to keep repeating that he makes the right read every single play. I feel like it's Bryce young all over again last year, but I feel like Shader, He's a better runner and a better passer than Bryce Young was. Uh, he just only... looks so calm and collected in the pocket. It, he never seems rattled or off script. He always seems like he's got his head downfield while also keeping an eye on what's coming at his feet. It just seems like he's got 14 eyes on his face and he sees everything coming at him. He's very smooth in the pocket, the way he moves and manipulates that pocket, gets where he wants to be on the field. As far as extending plays, I know one of his best plays was just very, very simple. Snap the ball on a shotgun. The pass rush was coming fast, and he just smoothly and quickly floated out to his left, flipped his hips, set his feet, threw the ball on a dime, an absolute smoking gun. So I think it was Xavier Weaver in the back of the end zone between two defenders for a touchdown. Just little things like that, being able to extend the play, and find the open guy. He does it so often during games so far. It's because that offensive line isn't the greatest. So he's getting to showcase his mobility and what he can do when he's not just a statue standing in the pocket with no pressure. So from yeah, the heavy NFL standpoint, maybe it's a blessing for him that his offensive line isn't so great. Yeah, I feel like, uh, and probably a lot of people, that all of Colorado's success on offense is going to be attributed to Shader Sanders. He makes this team go. He is the the engineer, the operator. He is everything for this offense. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough about you know just between just the the brain in between the ears. He the way he reads defenses, the way he his pre snap reads everything. 
He never makes a wrong decision. The only knock on him is maybe he holds onto the ball just a little bit too much, and then he uh, does his whole little when he gets outside the pocket and he kind of, he's running. He takes the two or three yard sack per se, whatever you want to call it, instead of throwing the ball away. But if he gets that, you know, starts throwing it out of bounds and not taking those negative plays, I mean, this kid's already special. He could be great. And then um, I was going to say something else, but I oh, I, I saw that he was. Um, doing some training with Tom Brady kids. You don't do training with Tom Brady unless you are special. This kid is special. Yeah, open your eyes to it. You still look at him as a daddy's boy. He was handed the QB job. Well, this is why he was handed the QB job because he's the best damn player for the job. And he is an elite NFL prospect, whether a lot of people want to admit it so early on or not. I'll gladly put it out there and admit it. Right now, he's my Debbie QB3, right ahead of Quinn Ewers. He's hot on the heels of Drake May for overtaking him for QB2. If he can have a good showing against Oregon, SC, and then Utah at the end of the season, he could very well be QB2. And I'm, yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, brother. I mean, he's my QB3, and he's he is not far behind Drake May. If – he wins one of the two games against Oregon and USC and plays good in both. He'll be my QB too. He's got first round talent written all over him. in, in my opinion, and I feel like a lot of people tend to forget that, you know, he did commit to Jackson state because his dad, or he was at Jackson state, but he had offers from Georgia and Bama and some of the big guys in the country. This, this kid has been good for a while and teams knew it. It's, this, this shouldn't be a shock to anybody. No, absolutely not. We'll go ahead and move on to the Utah and Baylor game. A close game. Baylor almost pulled it out in the last seconds. The only thing I got from this game is Quinton Jackson, running back from Utah, had a very good game. 19 carries for 129 yards. Some may remember his name, sounds familiar. Former four-star recruit went to Texas as a quarterback. Transferred to Utah, converted to running back. Second season playing the position, and he is very good at it so far. He's a freak of an athlete, explosive, fast, strong. He can run through you or he can make you miss. He's he's very good, especially for being so so raw to the position. I think he's going to be a round three pick, round four pick in the NFL draft. He's going to be someone, as the season goes on, a lot of people are going to know his name more and be very interested in him. Yeah, this is what his his second season as a full time running back. So, uh, to me, not the same type of player, but same situation in a way as like Antonio Gibson was was learning the position and just continues to always get better. And then he's he's also what like six two two hundred plus. I mean he's he's a, he's a load. Yeah, so I mean not necessarily like a Derrick Henry type of load, but he's he's a big boy. He runs hard, man. I I think he could be a sneaky good. Uh, I shouldn't say sneaky good, but He's going to climb up my Debbie boards, and I think he could be a relative dynasty player. So He's currently running back 17 for me in all of Debbie. He only has here to go up. His usage is going to be much like this, you know, 15-plus carries a game, I'd say. He's still trying to work on the pass catch and get involved in that area, but maybe that will come along later down the line. But as a strictly just a running back, hitting the gaps, finding the holes, making the right read, being explosive at the line and patient. He's got the goods to be a running back in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he shows instincts that, you know, are, are hard to acquire as a running back. He's He's got them already as a, a young a young running back learning the position. So I'm with you. I, I think he could just go up from here. Absolutely. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Move on to the Notre Dame-NC State game that was in a weather delay for what seemed like three hours. Notre Dame pulled it out 45-24. Uh, Audrey Estime, 
Big fan of his. Another 100-plus yards, 134 to be exact, two touchdowns, a whopping 9.6 per carry. So every time he touched the ball, he's putting you in second and inches. He had one hell of a game. He also caught two passes for 22 yards. He is a – you talked about Quentin Jackson quickly rising up Debbie rankings. Audrick Estime is flying at warp speed at this point. He has had a very good season so far. He showed out in every game. He's looked spectacular. Yeah, I'm with you on the Audrick Estime, uh, Debbie Rise. What Game three, three straight games, 100-plus yards, multiple T-Day games already. Uh, I think you said early – no, it may not have been him. Regardless, he is flying up my Debbie rankings, and he's he's a load of a man too. What, 5'9", uh, 5'10", five, five, and 230, something like that? Yeah, just shy under – he's listed at 5'11", but – as we know, that he could be very well be 5'10", 5'9 right. and a half. But he is 230-plus, so he – talk about a load. He's an extra load. and But he doesn't yeah. move like it. He no, is light he, on his feet. He He's moves a very good, good runner. Yeah, I, I'm excited I to see him. I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm excited for Roger Kestemi. He could be one of those, you know, day two running backs, day, the early day three running backs and – I would love just to see where he goes if he's given the opportunity. And as far as the receivers for Notre Dame, pretty much the same as last week. Jaden Greathouse, only three catches, 15 yards, but he did get in the end zone. Tobias Merriweather had one target, one catch for 45 yards. And then the converted running back, Chris Tyree, had two catches for 68. The leading receiver was Stays, the tight end, 115 and two touchdowns on four catches. So big, big day for the tight end, but outside of that, still disappointing wide receiver core at Notre Dame. Jaden Greathouse, I think, is the best of the bunch, but true freshman, his usage is dismal. I think he's playing about an average of 20 snaps a game. You'd like to see him on the field a lot more. Yeah, I'm with you on, uh, on all of them. It's nice to see Chris Tyree get some playing time. Hayden stays. Had a killer game, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Drayden Greathouse is really the only one that I'm really interested in when it comes to Debbie Wise, and he's just he doesn't have the staying power just yet. He's not getting the opportunity up and down a little bit. Three receptions, 15 yards, and touchdown. Not bad last week. I don't think he did much at all, but uh, week one, week zero, he had over 100 yards, I believe, and a couple touchdowns. So he's going to be up and down as to be expected. This isn't the year for him, but I. I'd be getting in on him early because once he breaks out, he's not going to be attainable. He's going to be the guy next year. No, that's the name of the Debbie game. Call your shot and your guys, get them early while they're cheap instead of waiting until they hit because then everybody wants them. Everybody knows about them. But we'll dive a little bit more in depth of that concept of Debbie and how we like to play on our next episode of the Gridiron Fantasy Show. So tap into that to hear a little bit more Debbie strategy talk that we'll bring to you. And we'll move on to the Ole Miss and Tulane game. Ole Miss struggled the first half. It wasn't good for them. Quinshawn Jukins had 11 carries for 21 yards. So probably one of his worst halves of football in his whole life. He was bottled up like no other. Came back in the second half with only seven carries for, what was it, about 28, 27 yards. He did get in the end zone, but he had sub three yards per carry a la Rocket Sanders from last week that we were touching on. Disappointing game for him. He didn't have the best week one, but this was even worse. But the bright part is Jackson Dart. We love him, so I'll let you take it away and talk some more about the ever-slowly rising Jackson Dart. Uh, Just box who are talking, 17-27, 267, two touchdowns and interception. Looks like he had himself a, a heck of a game, and he had a, a favorite receiver, Dayton Wade, seven catches for 106. So he had, he had himself a game, man. I feel like it's, it's crazy because last year at this time they were relying so heavily on Quinshaw Jenkins and uh, Zach Evans, right? Uh, the running game, Jackson Dart wouldn't – I, I feel like we're seeing more of a Bo Nix season out of Jackson Dart this year, but what Bo Nix did last year. Uh, this offense is running through Jackson Dart. Judkins has been underperforming this year, in my opinion. I still love him, still have him highly rated, but this this team is running through Jackson Dark currently, and I, I love to see it. Yeah, he did mention Bo Nix. 
I can see why you would make that comparison. Both were very accurate, which was a big knock on Jackson Dart coming into this season. Using his legs as well, he is a dual-threat quarterback and very capable of creating something on the ground, so it's nice to see him kind of coming into his own. It took him a couple years to get there, but he's starting to play like what we thought he was going to play. Coming into his sophomore year, he did flash at USC as a freshman, so it's great to see. He's been one of my favorite Debbie guys since his freshman year at USC, so it's nice to see him actually playing up to that standard. And, of course... They did pull out the victory. Somehow, some way, Lane Kiffin got it done, and they escaped with a W. But we'll move on to probably the upset of the day. The Miami Hurricanes took it to the Texas A&M Aggies. Our, our guy, Tyler Van Dyke, we've been down on him quite a bit recently, but he had almost 400 passing yards and five touchdowns, no turnovers. So he probably had the game of his life. Uh, running game was really non-existent for the Hurricanes. It was all on the arm of Tyler Van Dyke. He spread it around nicely to many different receivers, but he did produce a 100-yard receiver on the day. And playing against an SEC defense, albeit Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, I was very impressed with Tyler Van Dyke today. Yeah, we saw a Tyler Van Dyke freshman-type performance. He was 21 of 30 for 374 yards, five touchdowns, and the biggest takeaway, no interceptions. Uh, TVD has been pretty up and down the last year and a half. So to see him put a game together like this, I'm, I'm excited. I'm not quite on the TVD train yet, but, you know, if he puts another game or two together like this, I'll be right back on that caboose. I'm with you there. He's got to sustain it. We've seen the flashes, but we haven't seen the consistency. And hopefully we will see that this season. He's off to a, a good start. We talked about him last week here on this episode, or sorry, on this show about a showing against Miami of Ohio. It was a good game. It wasn't as good as this game, so it's nice to see him playing up to his level of competition. Especially so. against tougher competition, so I'm with you. I I'm, I think TBD's got the talent. It's just the consistency. If he can put it all he's together at the same time. Together. Exactly. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, Connor Wegman threw it, what, 53 times? Yeah, 53 he didn't have the best day. He's going to need to ice down that shoulder for a couple days now. The running backs, again, non-exist on that side. It was all on the arm of Connor Wegman. Evan Stewart didn't have Stewart. another big game. Yeah. So what do you have? 11 catches, 144, I believe. 11 for 142. I think he was targeted 16, 17 times. Yeah, so. hyper-targeted once again. Uh, you may – See him pop up on my weekly buy, sell, hold Debbie article over on DestinationDebbie.com. So tap into the website, get the all-access membership, get all the great content we're popping out over there, all the great tools, and see what we're doing with the Debbie players from week to week. But Everett Stewart just might pop on a list, and that's all I'm going to say on him at the moment. Just my little, my little opinion, Jimbo Fisher does the least with the most. He cannot produce NFL caliber talent. He doesn't. He doesn't develop them. Take that for what it's worth. Jimbo curse. Take that for what it's worth. Who he is. Yeah. We'll move on to another ACC team, UNC and App State. This was a very close one. As we talked about last week, we thought it would be close, but I didn't think it would be this close. UNC won 40-34 in double overtime. Drake May, for the most part, didn't have to backpack him this game. That was on the shoulders of a different player this week for once. So May ended up with 208, no touchdowns, no picks. But on the ground, he did show up 57 and a touchdown. So not the biggest eye-popping game for Drake May. Definitely not a Heisman Heisman type of game you want to see so someone that's in the race for that award. But his running mate in the backfield, Boy, did they feed this guy. He was a hungry man today. Omarion Hampton, 26 carries, 234 yards, and the hat trick of three touchdowns. Without him, they don't win this game. I'm not sure the story or why Britton Brooks missed the game, but he had a very good game last week against South Carolina, but it didn't show up this week. I'm not sure if he's injured. I didn't see any news about him, but it's great to see Omar on Hampton step up 
and have the big game. I think you pulled a Derek on me. It's British Brooks. See, I hesitated for a second there. I had British, but I was like, no, no, that's that's See? not right. See, this is this is why I did the same thing, man. I couldn't get it right. Uh, but getting back to the meat and potatoes of the game, um, Drake May outside the rushing touchdown. I mean, he he put up decent stats. He was twenty-one of thirty for, like you said, two hundred eight. Big thing, no interceptions. But he he carried the team in the backpack when it needed to be done. They're late in the game. He did a lot more uh, of the dirty work on the ground. Same thing in overtime. The the kids he showed some grit today that I don't think that we've seen out of him yet in a close game with a arguably a sneaky opponent. I mean, we called that it was going to be a close game, but I didn't think it was going to be this close. I didn't think it was going to be an overtime game. But Amari and Hampton, I mean, the, the game was solely one on the his back and, and legs. He 200-plus yards, three rushing touchdowns. I mean, another guy that's in my rankings. I think he's uh, top 15 running back-wise, but he, he might slide up a little bit with that that performance. You know, all these guys are liquid, and they can always be changing. Absolutely. The Debbie rankings can be changed whenever they're not set in stone for any set amount of time. I tinker with mine each and every week, multiple days out of the week. Like you said, they're liquid. They should be fluid. They shouldn't be – got to see seven, eight games the whole season of this to move them up and down. That's not the dynasty world we play in anymore. Not for most positions. Quarterback, to me, is a little different. Um, more so for guys that are trying to make their way back up like a TVD. But for anything else, I'm with you. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we will skip the next game we have on the docket. We'll save the best for last. We'll move on to Oregon and Texas Tech. This was a real, real barn burner. I thought Texas Tech had them. They seemed to be leading the whole way for at least most of this game. Bo Nix had a Heisman type of game. 359, two touchdowns through the air, another 46 on the ground. He had to carry them back into this game, kicking and screaming, dragging dead weight, it seemed like, but he got it done. Bucky Irving had 11 carries, but only 38 rushing yards and a touchdown. Then he added seven catches and 50 through the air. Our guy, top five Debbie wide receiver, Troy Franklin, 103 and a touchdown. But he had 92 of that in the touchdown in the first half. So second half, he really wasn't around. He he ghosted us. But Oregon pulled it out in a tough one. Texas Tech did lose in overtime to Wyoming last week. And I thought this would be a blowout. But Texas Tech hung with him at home. So kudos to them. Yeah, Texas Tech looked tough in this game. And to be fair, I think Oregon had a pick six there at the end to make it 38-30 to because it was 31-30 to right there till the very end. Um, this game was one on Bo Nick's shoulder. Bucky Irvin, I mean, granted, he did score a, a rushing touchdown. But other than that, this was the Bo Nick show. 32 of 44 for 359 and two touchdowns. And Bo Nick's just had himself a day. They do that happen sometimes. Yeah, good for him. He, he's very consistent now. He's big game after big game after big game since he's been at Oregon. Yeah, he's, he's been consistent since last year against what, Bama, I think, or Georgia? It was Georgia. Second, Second game, yeah, Bama's when they got paddled. After that, every single game seemed like 300-plus, 50-plus on the ground, three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. He couldn't be stopped. He still can't be stopped, apparently. Yeah, he's looked good since second game of the season last year. I mean, he's – I know that you planted your hill on him last year. I think I'm right there with you planting the hill now, right in the middle of the block out. Ah, doing what Michigan does best, huh? I was going for Baker Mayfield, but that works too. That's okay. That, that's old news. Nobody cares about him. But Tampa we'll Bay does. On. Not for long. That's only because they have Kyle Trask. We'll move on yeah. to UCLA and our guy. Emphasis on our guy. 2026 quarterback one, Dante Moore, got his first career start. Stat line is eye-popping. 293 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He had a good game. He only got sacked twice, so he's getting rid of the ball when he should have. He made some throws that made you say, wow. He also made some throws that made you go, eh, he's a freshman. He's got things to work on. But overall, I think that was a pretty good showing for him in his first start. Came away with a W, 35-10. What did you think of Dante Moore's first start? 
I mean, it's his first start in the second game of the season as a true freshman. Um, I think he he did a hell of a job. He looked a little nervous that, that first drive, but after that he got calm, cool, uh, collected, you know, was as cool as the other side of the pillow. I mean, he he looks he looks like a true quarterback, man. Looks like a my twenty twenty six QB one in this class is what he looks like. So I, I think the sky is the limit for this guy. I, he's to me, uh, I hate to say it, but I, I could see him being Caleb William Caleb Williams hype when it's time when it's his time. I can see that he was already heavily hyped in the community coming in. A lot of us, me included, thought he won the starting job throughout the spring and fall camp. He won it last week in week one, that's for sure, with the way um, Evan Garbers played. He didn't get in the game this week. We saw Colin Shalee in garbage time, so no Garbers. But he, like I said, he'll make you wow and make you say, yeah, that's the nature of him being a freshman at this point. But like you said, he's calm, cool, and collected. He's got that Shadur Sanders type of calmness and composure. He'll make a terrible throw, but he, by the way he reacts, you wouldn't know it. On right, to the, the best, next play, forget about best, it and do better. The best thing for a quarterback is to have, you know, a sh- short memory. Yeah, don't, short term don't, memory loss. Don't, don't remember don't what I did. Let's go. Exactly. But uh, getting on the receivers, we didn't get a big day out of Jamichael Sturdivant. You know, he's a he's a fast guy, kind of a deep threat, just take to the house. Only had two catches for 23 yards. But, you know, this game was never in question. Josiah Norwood had two for 87 in a touchdown. And Logan Loya had four for 77 in a touchdown. So, uh, but Jamichael Sturdivant, I feel like he's going to be a, a pretty sought-after name here come, you know, mid-season, season's end. I agree with that one. He's going to be star on the rise. He's fast. He's a downfield threat. Jameson Williams, that type of player. We all love him. He's yeah, going to pop at some point. Yeah, and Dante Moore seems to like to throw the ball to him. So it, it, it just makes sense. It's it's coming. Oh, yeah. We'll move on. Stick with the Pac-12 after dark. Wisconsin at Washington State. One of the most anticipated games you and I were looking forward to. Washington State held on. Won 31-22. to Kim Ward had a huge first quarter. He had 143 yards and passing touchdown. Then he cooled off. Ended up with 212 and two passing touchdowns, but no interceptions. 17 carries for 43 yards, but four of those were sacks. So he had 13 actual carries for long of 23. If he didn't get sacked, I can only imagine what his rushing yards would have ended up at. But a solid game for him. Just like last year when he played in Wisconsin, he looked collected, calm, didn't get too rattled. It was a dogfight in the end for them, and they came out with it. So I was very impressed by Cam Ward. Yeah, after the game, they were kind. They kind of asked the Washington State head coach. I think his name is Rickert. Some Rickert. Um, you know how, what he thought of of Cam Ward, and he said, you know, before the game, he said that we're going to put it in Cam Ward's hands and. You know, that's exactly what we did, and we came out with a victory. Back-to-back years of beating Wisconsin, they went to Camp Randall and did it last year. They were the home team and did it this year. Uh, Cam Ward, to me, uh, feels like he's going to have an Anthony Richardson-esque season. It's just going to maybe a little bit of up and down, but he's I feel like talent level, he's very close to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, we've preached about him over the past year plus on the Gridiron Fantasy Show. He's consistently been a top-eight Debbie quarterback for us. He's got every tool in the toolbox he can want. He just needs to be developed and refined. He'd be an amazing project quarterback, you know, second, third round for a team that's going to be needing one the next one to two years. As of this moment, I think his potential in the ceiling is much higher than that if he continues to play well like he has been these last two weeks. And then we'll move on to Wisconsin. I'm a little bit confused by this offense still. Star transfer, C.J. Williams, four targets, only reeled in two of them for 10 yards. And then Braylon Allen was targeted seven times, six catches for a whopping 12 yards. So he was getting those dink and dunks behind the line of scrimmage that his fantasy managers we all hate when it's a PPR league. and A running back catches a swing pass, gets negative one, but still gets .9 points for it. That's Braylon Allen today. He only had seven carries for 23 yards, or sorry, 20 yards. 
Tanner Mordecai had 10 carries. Chaz Malusi had 12. What What's going on with Braylon Allen? Why is he at the bottom of the totem pole and rushing and getting these little dink and dunk passes that are doing absolutely nothing for the offense? Uh, to, to me, looking at this box score, just seeing that Tanner Mordecai threw the ball 40 times to me makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Wisconsin's team, I know that they're under new toolage. They've got you know new coaches and, and all that. I, I get it. But this team is built around running the football. They've got trees for freaking linemen. Braylon Allen himself is also a tree. Uh, Chez Malusi, we've seen. I mean, he's rising up my Devi draft or Devi mocks. Sorry, Devi rankings at an extremely high clip. But th- this team needs to run the ball. Uh, Mordecai is is not the answer. They're to me, he's a slightly a better Graham Mertz. He's he's not that good. He should not be throwing the ball 40 times. I'd rather have Graham Mertz with the way he's looked at Florida at this point. He turned in, went from a statue quarterback to a mobile quarterback in a hurry, running RPOs down there in Gainesville. I'd rather have him. And that's I, that's not a compliment at all. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you, but what I was getting at was this t- this team should be running the ball 40 times a game. If you want to break it up between Malusi. That's Wisconsin. That's what they're built on. That's the way they've been recruited for ever. You got the big burly two or three-star Wisconsin linemen where one of them's going to pop out and be a stud in the NFL. That's what you do when you're at Wisconsin. Everyone's done it. Luke Fickle and Phil Longo need to get on board. They got stud running backs. Use them. Quit using Tanner Mordecai. I know he – came from SMU and he threw the ball around the yard down there, but he's not going to be able to do that in the Big Ten. He can't even do it against the Pac-12 team. He barely, was it Buffalo they played week one? He barely did against them. Right. It's not going to work with him. Put in Nick Evers or run the ball more, in my opinion. As exactly, he took the words out of my mouth. If you're wanting to throw the ball more, you put in Nick Evers. He's a lot better quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, Otherwise, like you said, against Buffalo, what was the success? Malusi went out there and absolutely killed it. Braylon Allen killed it in the second half. Run the dang ball. You know, the old, what was it, uh, the blindside movie. Run the dang ball. Oh, yeah. That's, that's coming up a lot recently. Yeah, but not for good reasons. I just was, run the dang ball. That's what you need to do. It's going to win you games. It's going to open up the offense. We always Hopefully say, follow the big uglies. Just follow them. Oh, they will take you to the promised land. That's we, right, my friend. You know that. Yes, sir. Moving on to the USC blowout, I mean game. They are up three minutes left in the game, up 49-10. Stanford just scored. Caleb Williams, another hyper-efficient big game, 19-22 for 281, three touchdowns. No picks, no sacks, one rush for 21 yards and a touchdown. He's the Heisman winner at this moment in my my eyes, back-to-back. That's where I'm going with it. So He does what he does. He goes out there. He doesn't put up three, 400 yards a game at this point, but he's super efficient with what he does, makes great decisions. And Marshawn Lloyd added 77 and a touchdown. This whole team just, once again, three weeks in a row, put it on him. The offense looked great. It's humming. Zachary Branch, he got a carry, only two yards, but still putting the ball in his hands. He had four targets, caught all four of them for only 30 yards. But he did have three punt returns for 104 and a touchdown. So still making an impact, whether it's catching the ball, running the ball, or getting a return. He's electrifying. He's the next coming of Reggie Bush I've seen for USC. He very well could be. He is currently a top five Debbie wide receiver for me and probably going to be top four, top three after this game. Uh, Caleb Williams, I mean, I don't think there's any any doubt about it. He is the best college football player currently. No ifs, ands, or buts. He is my Heisman favorite. I don't want to see him win it again, OSU reasons, but he is by far the best player in college football. Uh, the running back room for SC, like you said, Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones, both decent games, both have a touchdown. Caleb's got one as well. Brendan Rice has one catch, 75 yards, and a touchdown, so nice to see that. Jerry Rice's son with a big play, touchdown. 
Uh, Dorian Singer, another guy we've talked about a couple of times, two catches, 41 yards, another touchdown. This offense is, again, like a like a fine-tuned Rolex watch, man. It just goes. I am shocked you did not point out the obvious with your boy Mario Williams. Albeit only 19 yards, but he was the leading target man at six. So still the most targeted guy on the offense. He is the Jimbo Fisher of the wide receiver room there. Does the least what's most. He he might be. I mean, I Mario Williams, he's still my guy. I know that the community seems to be picking up on him a little bit. I liked him a lot last year. I was mis, misunderstood. I uh, thought he was the leading uh, receiving yards. I think he just had – he was just the leading target getter, uh, you know, Jordan Addison. But regardless, I still love me some Mario Williams. To me, he's still a top 10 wide receiver. Top Well, top 15 wide receiver, Debbie-wise for me. This this wide receiver, this 24 wide receiver class is just loaded top to bottom, though. Let's not forget about the other start freshman receiver because he's playing receiver now, not tight end at the moment, Deuce Robinson. Four targets for three catches and 37 yards. So he was involved once again. He's been involved each and every game. So that's that's great to see. I didn't think they would be putting him out there this early, but they did basically make him a wide receiver and put him in the slot, put him on the outside a little bit. So he's not learning as a tight end. I mean, so that's, that's, that's good to see because he's just a mismatch nightmare with his body size and athleticism. He's, dare I say it, a Darno Washington-esque athletic big guy. So I'm, I'm not mad at it. Love me some Deuce Robinson. We'll move on to the other game that just wrapped up. Last game of the evening, Oklahoma State and Arizona State. Oklahoma State won 27-15. Last week, I was calling for the upset on our preview show for Arizona State to pull it out. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. For OK State, Michigan transfer Alex Bowman led the way with 113 pass yards. Uh, Ollie Gordon, a hot name in the Debbie community from last year, had a really good freshman year, coming back, doing it again, sophomore year. 53 rush yards and a touchdown. He also added two catches for nine yards through the air. And then on to what I really was interested in the game for. My boys Cameron Scadabo and Jaden Rashada. Um, Scadabo had a good game, 14 carries for 62 and a touchdown. Not bad for the Sacramento State transfer once again. But man, Jaden Rashada looked like a freshman. He is a freshman. 60 and 29 for 167, a touchdown and a pick. I expected more out of him this game. Maybe expected too soon, too early is that case. But he's a freshman. I I didn't anticipate him starting this year, to be honest with you. I was yeah, surprised they, he was named the starter week one. I was too. They can't all be Dante Moore, man. It's it's hard for some of these guys who are a little more human than superhuman. Uh, I'm with you. I, I watched a little bit of this game early on, and it looked like Jaden Rashada was – I guess lack of a better word, nervous. He was making some boneheaded throws, really late timings, just just not good throws. He's a freshman. Again, we say, we're going to say it a lot. It's to be expected. You're going to have these growing pains, these dumb decision making mistakes. It's, but it's you know stuff you can work on and, and learn from and grow through. Scadabo again, like you said, had had a decent game. He had 14 for 62, one touchdown on the ground with the. Four and a half, almost four and a half yard average. Yeah, he's a name to keep your eye on. He's a junior, so he's got this year, next year left. He's like a carbon copy of Blake Corn with receiving chops, in my opinion. Obviously, Blake Corn light. Not saying he's on that level, but same type of player, thickly built, can run between the tackles, be the workhorse. But he has the receiving ability. He could pop up later on. You never know. But on to our Gridiron Fantasy Show game of the week that we talked about on our preview show. The Texas Longhorns going into Tuscaloosa to get revenge against the Roll, the roll Tides, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And they got it. They won 34-24. So, that, excuse me, I'm going to get up out of my chair and take my victory lap. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, we, we've called it. 
I, I think that they would have won the game last year had Quinn Ewers stayed healthy. Shit, they would have won it had Hudson Card not got hurt, in my opinion. But yeah, they if he did didn't it have that year. bum ankle he was playing on, they they still would have won. I honestly think so because Hudson Card did not look bad last year. But uh, Alabama just didn't have the star power in this game. Granted, Milrow made some some great throws. Another guy that we said would be darn good. He called in spring. He deserved to be the starter, and he was the best option. And so far, he's looking like a more competent passer than I thought he was. Yeah, granted, today he threw two interceptions, but Texas defense, I feel like, is a lot better than I had anticipated it being. They they looked they looked darn near 2006 Texas-esque. Yeah, they could be very dominant very soon. Watch out for the watch out SEC next year. Texas is oh. back. This game proves it. You don't beat Alabama and it's a fluke. You don't beat Alabama at Alabama and it's a fluke. I mean, this it's, was this I, was a fun game to watch. Uh, Jermaine Burton had himself a game finally, or I shouldn't say finally, but for a couple weeks in a row. And it, Texas is to me though is just the real deal. Yeah, I forget the stat, but not very many of Nick Saban's old coaches have come back to beat him outside of Kirby Smart. I think Kirby Smart might be the first one, actually. I think Kirby Smart was the first and only one until today. Yep, Sark can be added to that list. Good for him. Great game playing all game long. The whole All around, they all played very well as a team collectively. And they're back. They are a playoff team. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate. They have a young, hot freshman running back. They have a star junior wide receiver. They have a star tight end. They have a stifling defense. They're the total package. And we'll we'll dive into some stats here. Like you said, Milrow had two picks to go along with his two touchdowns and 255 pass yards, 15 totes for 44 on the ground, no touchdowns there. But the receiving room, all over the place, still no alpha. Uh, Jermaine Burton had two catches, one of them being for a touchdown. Isaiah Bond coming off his big week last week, four targets, only caught one for 34 yards. And Malik Benson, two for 33. Um, So far, I'm thoroughly disappointed in Malik Benson's performance and his usage. I thought he'd be more involved. But unfortunately, that's not the case so far. And Ja'Cory Brooks, one target, no catches. Leading receiver is Kobe Prentice with five catches and 68 yards. The rushing game couldn't get going much like last year. Jace McClellan had 12 for 45. They struggled today. At points, they looked really good. and the other points, they didn't look so good. Something we haven't seen often from Bama. It was struggle this much, turn the ball over like they did, not be able to get the run game going, and ultimately not not having a star receiver is going to hurt them. Yeah, if you look back – at any, at any Alabama team, they've always had up up until like the last couple of years, they've always had like an alpha wide receiver, you know, if not multiples. So it's kind of crazy to see an Alabama team with a quarterback who's not necessarily a Bryce Young or two a type of quarterback, not quite well known for their passing ability, and not have a true wide receiver one to throw to. We we talked about it a lot in the offseason that this wide receiver room is going to have to figure out who that alpha dog is. And it looks like they haven't. It's, you know, flip a coin at who's the leading target getter each week. And I feel like that's going to be their biggest downfall. And then Jalen Milrow, don't get me wrong, heck of a quarterback still. A true dual threat quarterback that actually has a heck of an arm on him as well. But I don't think he's quite experienced or good enough to, you know, put this team in the backpack like Bryce Young did last year. Not at this point, unfortunately not. Maybe a few more games he'll be able to do it, but he doesn't. He has not unlocked that superpower as of yet. Move on to the Texas Longhorns. Start the receiving, receiving group. Ooh, I like this group. We were talking earlier. Xavier Worthy had 75-1 and one at halftime. We said he'll be going over 100 yards easily. Did nothing in the second half. Absolutely nothing. That's because it was the Adani Mitchell show. Yeah, the second half was his. First half was Xavier Worthy. Donnie Mitchell does what Donnie Mitchell does. Shows up in big games, catches touchdowns, does nothing else. It seems to only be against Bama, too. It, 
something about that Crimson Tide on the other side. He just sees red, literally. Right. And he goes towards it. Man, three for 78, two of them being a touchdown, so good for him. But the real star of the show, Jatavion Sanders, five catches for 114. Didn't get in the end zone, but 114 yards for a tight end this day and age of college football. Salute to you, Jatavion. Big game. Especially at almost 23 yards per catch. I mean, that's awesome. It's Jatavion Sanders, I mean, we talked about him a lot last year leading up to this year. I thought this offense was going to be ran through him today. It looks like it was. Yeah, him and Quinn have that. They have that special connection. He had a long of fifty, so the big guy was out there strutting for a while. Might need some oxygen after that one. Yeah, and the and the big tight end struts for fifty. Yeah, he he's getting it. But the the running back. Not really too much to speak on. Leading rusher was Mr. Brooks for 57 and a touchdown. But C.J. Baxter, the star freshman, had 11 totes. Happy to see him being the second leading rusher and getting double-digit carries, especially in a big game like this against a tough team. Very positive sign for what's to come from him later this season, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him get more than 2.8 yards per carry, but uh, just because, just with him being the second leading rusher uh, carries-wise, I'm not going to complain too much about it. I was honestly more surprised that uh, Jadon Blue only had one rush for minus two yards, considering what he's put up so far this season. Yeah, this is the role I expected Jadon Blue to be in, which was really non-existent. I was surprised previously when he was one of the leading rushers last week, but I will chalk that up to playing Rice. We saw what his usage should be going forward, and it's not good. But he's a great transfer candidate to get a starting job elsewhere and shine. Yeah, he's still plenty good enough, I think. But he's he's not C.J. Baxter. No, no, he's not. Move on to the Heisman candidate, Quinn Ewers. Ooh, 24 buddy. of 38 for 349 and three touchdowns. No picks, no sacks. Have a day, Mr. Ewers. This is what he was on his way to last year when he got knocked out, unfortunately. Came back for revenge. Came back hell-bent on beating Alabama, and he did it, and he did it in style. And you brought it up to me earlier about his weight, so I'll let you take away that little story, what the changes he's made personally and athletically, and we're seeing the results of it. So um, leading up to the season, he was at his heaviest weight he's ever been at 218, and I guess that he dropped down in the offseason before the start of this season down to 195. I feel like that was a good move. Anytime he can be more – healthier and get your life together, not just football-wise, but outside of football as well. Uh, you can see that his hard work has paid off. I mean, he, to me, had a Heisman Cannon type of game against the toughest opponent they're going to play all season. 300 and almost 350 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks. He looks to be swift, nimble, and he had an absolutely bomb, beautiful throw to Xavier Worthy earlier in the game. Just launched it up in the air, rainbow. Uh, I love me some Quinn Ewers right now, man. He he cut his hair. He's got short hair. The beard's not crazy. He's just whole new look, whole new me. New year, new me, Quinn Ewers. I like it. It's working for him. You can just tell he, he has dropped the weight, 20-plus pounds. His face looks skinnier when you see it through his helmet. You can see his overall body. He's thinner. He looks a little bit faster, a little bit more light on his feet. Getting out there, moving and grooving more willingly, I think. It's working for him, so... Shout out to him for making those changes in his life and running with it and doing what he thinks is best for him. Apparently he's right. This is the best game he's ever played against the best team he's ever played. Yeah, he said he feels in that he's in the best shape of his life. And good on him. I, I feel like there's a uh, – maybe for dynasty purposes in a way, but I feel like the cutoff for somebody that's 6'2", he shouldn't be below 200 pounds. I'd like him to be right at 2 or right – you know, 2, 205. Um, but he, he's right there, man. 195, not necessarily a bad weight. But I'd, I'd like him to see put on a couple pounds. Yeah, from a fantasy football standpoint, 6'2", 218, 220 was a good size, I thought. But for him, obviously, that's not the weight he's comfortable playing at. He's comfortable 195, less than 200. And it worked. It's working. So it, good for him. Knowing himself, knowing his body, and knowing what's right for him to get the best performance out of him. Only he can know that. Right. And he's right, apparently. Absolutely. It's just like the Zion haters. 
yeah, call Zion, Zion Williamson fat, chubby, whatever, but when he is healthy, he's dominant. Almost shoots 70% from the field, hyper-efficient. We'll get into that during basketball season because we're not here from that. But I am a Duke fan for basketball, so I feel very strongly about Zion Williamson and his situation. But we'll go ahead and get out of here. That was the last game we had to go over. It was a great game. I can't wait to run it back, rewatch it again, and just kind of more so look at the Debbie, Debbie players, break them down a little bit more instead of enjoying the game like I did the first time around. But I'm very happy for Quinn Ewers and very happy for the Longhorns to, I guess, officially get over that hump and to actually be back. Because, like I said, you don't beat Alabama and it'd be a fluke and there'd be nothing to it. Sark's yeah, got seen. something cooking. I think he does. I think Sark is cooking with boiling water down there in, in Texas. Uh, big. Re- I think we spoke into existence. They might be a national championship contender this year. Oh, I think it will be. And just a little preview of our next episode for our podcast, the Gridiron Fantasy Show. This week, we're going to begin our college football top six rankings, as well as our personal Heisman rankings that we'll do each week over there. So, spoiler alert, Texas is definitely in my top six, and Quinn Ewers is definitely in my top five for Heisman. And you can book that for sure. So, tune in to our next episode, drop in here in a couple days for some more in-depth on that and what we're feeling about the college landscape as a whole so hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's games as much as we did on a non-debbie note nfl kicks off today so i'm excited to see my fantasy teams score some points for me set some dfs lineups do some more prop betting it's going to be a joyous sunday my friend and i hope you enjoy yours and everyone else listening we'll see you again next week with another instant reaction and recap here on the destination debbie radio thanks for listening to our recap see ya